Welcome back to Higher ID, the podcast where we talk about all things instructional design and higher ed. We're your hosts. I'm Christy J. Woods. And I'm Dr. Jess Seitler. And today we're going to talk about our journeys, upskilling, and leadership as instructional designers in higher ed. Many times upskilling focuses on technical skills like using programs like Articulate, Storyline, and Camtasia. But what can be often overlooked is upskilling in leadership. We recently spoke with Maddie Kadish about instructional designers as leaders and change makers in higher education. And something I loved from that conversation was that she highlighted that IDs are leaders. Yeah, I love that too about that conversation. And it was sort of a revolutionary thought for me um, to think of myself as a leader um, in instructional design without having a role at the time. So I'd love to kind of talk about some leadership things between you and I, like things like some opportunities we have, what influences your leadership, um, things that you've learned, and what's next for you in leadership. What do you think, Jess? Yeah, I I would really love that because I think when I first started out in instructional design as well, I did not see or understand the leadership elements or aspects that instructional designers really have. And, and so I think as I've grown and, and developed over the years, I, it's been really great to see that instructional designers do have those skills. So yeah, let's get started. Well, cool. So let's, let's start with some opportunities that we've had um, that have helped shape our leadership. And I know you and I have chatted a little bit about some of these things, but um, I'd love to hear um, a couple of things from you. I know the design challenge was super impactful for you, and you're currently going through something called IELOL. So do you want to share a little bit about those, what, um, what they are and what they've done to help shape your leadership from your perspective? Yeah, thanks for asking. So in my previous position, um, when I first started as an instructional designer, so my first couple of years, I often had, you know, what you think are those like crazy ideas, right? And um, I had this idea of a design challenge, and it was really stemming from one of the most impactful experiences I've ever had in my life, which was... Um, at this moment in instructional design, like I mentioned in the first two years, as a designer, I was learning how to code and mm-hmm. um, HTML and CSS, and I had always been interested in hackathons. And even though it was during COVID, I had seen this uh, remote, you know, virtual hackathon, and I saw an opportunity to get involved. And I was really scared. You know, I thought, I don't, I'm not going to have the skills for this. I maybe they're going to make me like a secretary or something because Mm -hmm. I was coding. But you know, when I thought of hackathons, I thought, well, I don't know if that includes me or not. And, um, I, I did it and it was in based in London and it was, um, it was on a topic that I'm really passionate about, which is, uh, female mentorship. And, um, so I jumped in and, uh, I ended up being the project manager, go figure. 
<laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. And um, we developed an app, a website, and some blockchain backup um, wow. in 48 hours for to create a mentorship app that was accessible on phones around the world. And it was just a prototype. But and we got we um, we won second place. We had to give a five minute pitch, and so I gave the five minute pitch, and we won second place. And the reason that that was so impactful was because it made me realize that sometimes, um, even when you're scared, you have to jump in. Mm-hmm. And I would have never known or just kind of reaffirmed that experience or that experience and and skill set. Um, that transferable skill set as a as a manager as a project manager, seeing yeah. that through the hackathon and then seeing that um, in my job as an instructional designer, so that gave me a lot of confidence. But what how that impacted this idea of a design challenge is that I wanted students to feel that. I don't know, maybe joy or that, that aha moment, because I come from the humanity. So I, with, you know, I have a humanities background. And so I hadn't really processed that, that idea that, um, that my skill set in communication and connecting with others and understanding workflows and being able to connect a whole team on a mission, on a project, on, something that they're passionate about was mm-hmm. was part of my skill set and that translated into being a successful project manager on a hackathon. Yeah, there's a couple of pieces that I want to highlight around that. One is that instructional design is very often project management heavy. So you may have a project manager on your team, but you may not. I haven't. I've always just been the project manager for my team and for my developments. So um, what a useful thing to do anyways, knowing that you were going to do those similar things in instructional design. And then you said something like, um, I didn't know if I belonged here in the hackathon. And I just think like how um, incredibly important it is to have that experience yourself at times, to not know if you belong. So that way when you're in a leadership position and you have the opportunity, you can make sure that everybody feels like they belong um, because you know what it's like to not feel like you feel fit in there exactly um and yeah that just really stood out to me yeah and thank you and I also I I do see those things and I also felt like our students feel those things right so you take an art student or um you know even a Spanish major or or someone getting a degree in humanities and sometimes those really 21st century skills that are really a great market leverage and, you know, on the job market, those students have those skills. And mm-hmm. so I wanted to see that I wanted to show students kind of create that the experiential learning experience for students uh, around a challenge similar to the hackathon, but not hackathon based if that makes right. sense, not yeah. based on computer sciences, but how could we, 
how could we include all majors, all focuses in a challenge? So I collaborated with Josie Milliken, who is now the Dean of Online at, at Pima Community College. And um, she suggested using the United Nations 17 Sustainable Goals. And we were able to create a virtual uh, design challenge focusing on those goals, but on a local level. So students got to choose something they were passionate about and and work with a mentor. And we did a virtual design challenge last year. And we're, um, we were able to get some support from the provost and we're going to be doing that again in a year. So oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And, and so tying back, I think that opened my eyes to this idea that one instructional designers have some really cross um, cross, I would say developmental in terms of like skills for um that can be used in any department and leadership as well. Right. Mm-hmm. And then um, secondly, that, that I had suddenly started leading an, an initiative without thinking about leading an initiative. It was just some, it's just something I was passionate about. So that was, that was one thing that kind of opened my eyes to the idea that, you know, helping students was my passion and, I may go about it a different way, uh, maybe from that instructional designer perspective, but but I I could have impact. So that was kind of like a first first moment when I thought about instructional designers as leaders. Yeah, one well, I you kind of accidentally led an initiative, which I think is funny but very on brand for you. <laughs> and um, and now you're in IELOL, which I would love for you to explain what that is and are doing initiatives purposefully. Um, yeah, what's that like? Tell us a little bit about it. Okay, yeah, IELOL is something I was looking at um, possible growth and development in my leadership skills and from the higher ed perspective, right? And mm-hmm. so I applied to the IELOL, which is the Institute for Emerging Leaders and Online Learning. And um, what it is, I think it lasts approximately about six months, but it is, um, you start off with online learning and there's a cohort. And I feel like I feel like maybe there's 50 other people, but don't quote me on that. I can't tell you for sure. Um, <laughs> yeah. But you start off with that, you know, asynchronous online learning, and then there's some synchronous meetings. And um, in August, we had a week-long immersion at ASU. And it, it, we're over this time period. So the six months approximately, or maybe five months, we have the opportunity as uh, participants in the IELOL to develop a project Mm. and we can develop and we're developing an individual project as well as um, a group project. And the group project is, would be what we presented at um, the immersion, the week long immersion at, at ASU. So that was Mm. a collaboration between OLC and um, ASU. Right. Cause IELOL is part of OLC. Mm-hmm. Um, and is ASU co-sponsoring it? And ASU is Arizona State University. Mm-hmm. I recognize that there are multiple ASUs. <laughs> um, do they co- 
are they co-collaborating on it with LLC? Remind me what ASU's relationship is with them. Yes, I believe that. I can double check, but I believe that they're um, collaborating on that initiative. Yeah. And um, so they are they they hosted um, this year this year's um, this year's immersion. So that was, yeah, it was, cool. it was a fantastic experience. And uh, I think one of the things that made it such a fantastic experience, and one of the reasons I chose um, the IELL Institute was because it had that in-person element. And I don't know if it was because of two years of COVID or, or what, but I, I was really excited to network and see people um, in person and yeah. and work on a group project in person. And let's see. So from there, um, I knew from the beginning kind of what I wanted to do mm-hmm. because I had been working on and am still working on developing bilingual, multilingual spaces online, right? Yeah. And um, so I was looking at how to create multilingual spaces on a scaled uh on a scaled uh, place, like thinking about how can we make multilingual uh, spaces more available to more students, right? Yeah. Yeah. And um, as I went through the program, I started to think about how that might only apply to some classes and Mm. it might not have the impact that I was looking for. So I started discussing with my group, what about an HSI centered online uh, initiative? And mm-hmm. they were really interested in learning more about that. And we worked together to develop a plan. And that is what we presented at the, at ASU, at the, yeah. at the immersion. Yeah. Yeah. So now you're working on this HSI initiative, which I think is super cool. And I just love like hearing your story of the hackathon to design ta- design challenge, which was sort of somewhat accidental, but just, you know, a passion project of yours. And then now being really intentional with IEL, LOL and um, LLC and ASU's um, collaborative initiative. Um it just sounds really cool, and I love hearing that um, that that's an important thing. And I actually know a few people that have done IELOL um, and have really enjoyed the the leadership opportunities it's given them. Yeah, I, I would agree because I think when I had initially applied, I you know I spoke to my leadership about participating and. They were surprised, but they were very supportive, which was wonderful. Mm. I said, you know, I am really looking to grow as a leader and here are some skills and some areas that I I would like to have the opportunity to learn more. And Mm. and so they supported me in that application and, and my participation. And throughout the project, you know, we had to do interviews with our leadership. So I did interviews with my leadership here at the University the U of A at the University of Arizona. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that gave me some insight on our HSI initiatives at the University of Arizona. 
because we are a Hispanic serving institution with 25%, actually more than 25% of our students identifying as Hispanic. Yeah. Yeah. That's huge. Being able to do that at like your current college um, and being able to really serve those students. Yeah. I love that. Well, and I think kind of to finish up about it, I think one of the really huge, um, one of the huge outcomes of this is that after we presented our group project, which was, which was a plan, an HSI centered plan and initiative to, mm-hmm. for online, mm-hmm. I started thinking about, well, this is really relevant for, for my university and, mm. While I don't think all the elements of our initial plan would really work for my university, I wonder if there's funding opportunities to create an online HSI initiative at at the University of Arizona. And so I started speaking with my leadership and they said, this is a really great idea. It would really pull some different departments together, which is the, the HSI leadership group, as well as the online leadership group, Arizona Online, as well as our UCAP, which is our our center for um, teaching and learning and technology. They were really supportive in, in connecting me with some ideas about funding, and I came up with a plan specifically for the University of Arizona and found funding, wrote a proposal and a budget, and and I submitted a I submitted a proposal for a grant from for internal funding. So, um, it was it was an amazing experience, and I definitely growth in my leadership skills and um, maybe I guess thought process. You know, thinking about how we see ourselves as leaders or not, and mm-hmm. um, yeah, so it definitely was impactful for me. Yeah, well, it sounds like it, and it's uh, <laughs> it's tough to follow up because you've done such big initiative things um, that are, I think, really high level leadership opportunities, especially in learning and development and in higher ed. It's um, it's a big deal what you're doing, and I hope you recognize what a big deal it is too. Well. Uh- it it is strange. Like I said, it's a very strange feeling because um, sometimes we don't see instructional design positions as leadership positions. But I do feel like there are those opportunities. Recently, mm-hmm. one of my mentors said to me, and she said, "You know, your passion is your superpower." Mm-hmm. And I would agree. And she was definitely impactful and kind of pushing me. I thought, well, maybe I'll wait to apply. She, and, and she really pushed me and encouraged me. She said, no, you should really do it now. This is a really great plan. And, and so that having, I think having those people beside you or in your network that you can talk to and that encourage you kind of that go get them, cheer you on, um, is really fantastic as well. Yeah, I agree. I think some of like the most impactful leaders I've had, uh, leaders, mentors, supervisors, um, have been those folks that are like, I think you should go for it and have really pushed me to, to do things maybe I thought I wasn't ready for, or, um, 
didn't have an experience for or would never get approved and and then it does and you're like whoa to think I didn't even think I was going to do that (laughs) right exactly and so those are my kind of two big thinking about initiatives and impactful growth moments in not just being an instructional designer but processing this idea that instructional designers are leaders. Those are my two. Mm -hmm. I would really like to hear about your experience as an instructional designer and growing into leadership. What, how has that been for you? Yeah, it's been really interesting. Um, You know, I did a lot of leadership development before I moved into instructional design and that I think was kind of setting the foundations for when I did move into more leadership opportunities um, just to really fully blossom. And I'm really grateful for those opportunities. Um, One of which was Dare to Lead, um, which is uh, a leadership training um, based off of Brene Brown's Dare to Lead book. And um, it's with a dare to lead trained facilitator who gets to meet Brene Brown and <laughs> gets to like learn from her in a group setting. I didn't meet Brene Brown, so that's, I'm not that cool. <laughs> but um, I did attend a two day training on dare to lead. And um, what I think is really unique about dare to lead is there's this idea um, in leadership that sometimes you have to kind of play the game to to move up and in dare to lead it kind of dismantles that in like radical vulnerability and transparency in your role and um i just thought that that when i like first learned of it and there's all kinds of different pieces to to that with um dare to lead with uh Things like being clear, clear as kind, um, having um, a rumble, which is like really kind of talking things through. You have ways to kind of paint you done. It's all this beautiful language to really just bring vulnerability into leadership. And up until that point, I hadn't ever heard of that. I had just seen kind of um, this kind of closed door leadership and the people that need to know, know, and then other people don't. And I just, um, yeah, I just thought that that was a really incredible way to grow um, and a way to lead. Um, and then I also, at the same time, was in something called the Commission on the Status of Women, which is a mentorship experience at ASU, Arizona State, where I started my instructional design experience. And it is for women um, to kind of help grow. Um, it's not specific for leadership, but it um, I think it taught me a lot about leadership. And I think that those mentorship opportunities, again, um, kind of helped me understand a little bit about um, the higher ed ecosystem, helped me understand who I wanted to be, how I wanted to show up um, as a leader and um Again, just really impactful opportunities to hear from emerging leaders in higher ed in some of those workshops. Um, That was a six-month opportunity. So you had one-on-one mentoring, and then you had workshops, and you had peer mentoring groups too. And I still connect with people from that peer mentoring group. Um, So yeah, it was just really cool. I think um, 
One of the really impactful things from CSW, the Commission on the Status of Women, was something, uh, it was an event called So You Want to Be a Director. So it like talked a little bit about um, middle management leadership, and it was a panel of directors throughout the university. And they just kind of talked about like how they got into leadership, what are their values, how they lead, what's important to them. And I remember somebody said something to the effect of um, you get to decide how you want to be as a leader. And she had used an example of um, she really didn't want to cry (laughs) at work and, you know, whatever. It's up to you if you want to cry at work. I would cry at work. (laughs) But but she had decided, you know, I am not the leader who will cry at work. And so I get to decide what that looks like. and, and, And then she stuck to that. And so I think there's a lot of choice in our leadership, to be vulnerable, to be um, clear, to be transparent, I think to be really empowering to people. And those pieces just really set me up. So that way, when I did work on initiatives and instructional design, I was more set up to lead through that kindness and that, that vulnerability than I would have been before doing that. So I really loved that. Um, and yeah, I um your experience with sharing some early initiatives, my the initiative that always sticks out and I, I'm sure I've talked about it already is um we I got plopped onto a team that was um creating a grant funded um inclusive teaching fellowship program and it was an amazing opportunity to get plopped into that. I wasn't part of the like applying for the grant or creating the proposal or any of those pieces because it was already done by the time I got onto that team. But I was part of seeing that project through and then showcasing it with the rest of um, the folks at ASU. And it was huge. It was a huge initiative and a great opportunity to um, bring some you know, passionate causes forward, especially in inclusion in the DEI space. So, um, yeah, that one always sticks out as uh, a way to show leadership and and bring some initiative into the things that we do. Wow. It's, there's so many thoughts and questions that I have now thinking about (laughs) just all of those different experiences uh, one that I connected with up front was thinking about your dare to lead yeah, experience. And I, I do love that um, you mentioned that there's not one way to lead because mm-hmm. you're, you're right. Like often, and I think especially as a female and I, you know, I think everybody has their own experiences. However, I do feel that we're often given this idea or, or it's been it's shared that you do have to act a certain way or, um, you know, follow not rules necessarily, but follow this pattern to be able to move into leadership. Mm-hmm. And it's it's similar to thinking that there's only one path in instructional design, right? There's yeah. just... There's so many paths and I appreciate this idea that, you know, being not just vulnerable, but being authentic to who you are, I think that can really reflect in your leadership style and 
I also really respect that and connect with that because I, I don't feel that I've ever fit in necessarily in a, a little box, right? Mm-hmm. We've, we've all had so many different experiences that impact our life and who we are and the, the way we pursue our passions. And I've never really fit into a box where where some of those those steps felt really authentic to me and um so it's nice to think and and also be reaffirmed now that I'm I'm doing things that feel authentic that it's okay to be authentic and you can be ex- successful being authentic in your leadership style so that was one thing and also um your commission, the CSW at ASU. I think that also sounds like it was a really great supportive space to connect with mentors and with other people and and females specifically working in the leadership space. Yeah, which I think is huge and and definitely a, a big part of my story um is is figuring out how to navigate leadership as a woman. And so to have, um, I think to have some pretty impactful leadership opportunities, um, just to learn about leadership styles and how I want to show up and how I can kind of assimilate that into my own authenticity through Dare to Lead and CSW, it was incredible. And then to see how other people are doing that too, and they can share kind of their wisdom that they've learned um, and, and working with especially, you know, women of color, I was like, wow, this is amazing to see like all of the incredible work and and the barriers that they've had to kind of break down as they continue to grow in higher ed. Um, so yeah, that's always been really important to me. And, and I want to be and strive to be an approachable leader. I want people to feel welcome in the space. Um, which always brings me back to what you were saying, Jess, of like, I just didn't know if I fit. Um, Cause I, I think that that's just so important is we want, I want people to know that they fit and I want them to feel represented and know that they're represented in that leadership. So yeah, those were just really impactful things. And, and I know as we continue, you know, to grow in leadership, there are other things too that, you know, continue to help influence our leadership styles. Um, thinking of maybe some books (laughs) that are, uh, you know, books and conferences and, um, and other things that have come up. Are there, you know, any standout things around that, that feel like they have really impacted your leadership there? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know that I am always listening to probably two to three books, (laughs) listening or reading, depending on what my access is. Um, Right now, I am working through three books. I'm only laughing because I'm exactly the same way. I think I have like four on my currently reading list. Right. And so um, one of them that I started reading and continue to kind of read articles and things related to it. And then I go back to the book is becoming Hispanic serving institutions, opportunities for colleges and universities by Gina Ann Garcia. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And that was really impactful because I feel like 
I think as an instructional designer and someone who's wanting to continuously grow, I think finding those spaces where you can grow and learn and then following through is really important. And, and so I do that through, through reading as well as conferences. Um, another book is called Mismatch, How Inclusion Shapes Design. And um, the last one is uh, Design Justice, which I just started reading. Design Justice, Community-Led Practices to Build the Worlds We Need. Mm, nice. Yeah. And so those are the books that I'm reading. But like I said, they're, it's, um, it's a process. It's, yeah. uh, it takes me a while to get through them because I start listening to conferences and thinking about how they connect, right? How they overlap in thought. And, and I wanted to mention the names of the authors. So I apologize for the, I was thinking there. Um, so Kat Holmes wrote Mismatch. And um, I'll have to tell you in a minute, I just got the other book. So I just started it. So I'll have to tell you in a minute the author for the other one but um also conferences because Mm -hmm. I think it's important it's almost a way of brainstorming although you're presenting on you could be presenting something you're an expert on I think conferences also bring you to a shared space of of a community of practice right and you're able to connect with other conference presenters and from around the United States or from around the world and really get different perspectives on what you're doing and what they're doing. And I think it's just a really impactful way to learn. I agree. And I have not been to a conference in years, but you're going to one very soon. Um, By the time this comes out, you might have already gone to it, actually. Um, which uh, is exciting. I I was thinking too, there's a book that I'm reading. Well, there's two books that I want to mention too. We as a book group for ID2ID are currently reading and finishing up Reach Everyone, Teach Everyone. Um, And I cannot remember the author's names. I know Tobin is one of them, but Mm -hmm. I can't can't remember the other one. I apologize. Um, But that's just an excellent book in UDL. And I think it's got some great practical tips on leading initiatives for UDL and accessibility that um, sometimes I know I can feel a little bit like, I I know what I should be doing, but I don't know how to get other people to do it. Um, And that book, I think, just has a lot of great practical strategies and then another book that's not related to uh, I guess it's more field agnostic Mm -hmm. is called playing big by Tara Moore and it is such a good women leadership taking big risks kind of book Um, and I'm realizing as we're talking that I really do hone hone in a little bit on women in leadership, but um, it's an excellent book just about kind of harnessing your own power as a woman and stepping into um, leadership and to growth and recognizing that you, um, you are meant to be there and you're welcome there and you're meant to do big things. So I, I love that book. I just had it recommended by one of my friends 
um and uh she shared it in a group text and all four of us um, were like oh my gosh i have to read this immediately and it's excellent so working on that one for sure yeah you shared that one with me i haven't had a chance to read that one yet yeah and i wanted to come back to design justice community led practices to build the worlds we need uh that was written by sasha costanza chuck Hopefully I said that, pronounced that correctly, but I may not have. Yeah, we'll have to list. I wonder if, um, if it would be a good idea for us to like link them in the description notes too. So that way folks can kind of take a look at the different books and um, different initiatives that we're talking about. Absolutely. <laughs> so knowing that leadership, you know, at times can feel a little bit... Um, tricky. I'm mm-hmm. curious what has been one of your biggest learning curves as you kind of step into some of these initiatives and these leadership um, opportunities. What do you think has been the, one of the maybe biggest things you've learned or challenges that you've come across, um, things that have really impacted you? So I think I'm going to go, we're going to go back in time a little bit, and then we're going to go forward. So I hope you'll join me for this little journey here. (laughs) Um, And this is just kind of to step into my shoes and, and kind of see this, this space for growth, right? Um, I come, my um, mom, before she became a nurse, um, she was an entrepreneur and she had her own business and my stepdad as well. Um, they were both very entrepreneurial and I, I grew up in that atmosphere. Mm. And um, so just thinking about, you know, really attacking the day and when you have an idea, you know, researching and exploring and, and, and then following through mm-hmm. and that, your your business really depends on you following through and so i come from that that space in terms of my experience as a young person and kind of those values that my my mom and my stepdad kind of instilled in me and yeah. so now while i am an instructional designer and i love it and i teach um I am also a business owner with my husband and, mm. and it's a very entrepreneurial space. Of course, it's a indoor sport, sports, right. And I'm used to leading um, with maybe one other person. Right. And, and leading a team, I've been doing it for 12 years and it's been a great experience, mm-hmm. but now I'm thinking about as an instructional designer, how are those skills transferable, which they, as a project manager, they are completely transferable, but also thinking about growing as a leader. I already know that I'm a leader in that space, this business owner, entrepreneurial, running events, thinking about people and their needs and, and those type of, and following through and, and those type of things. But now thinking about myself as a leader in higher education and thinking about the size scaling that right to a huge organizational 
organization and where you have so many silos. Right. And so I think the biggest challenge for me, and especially being newer to um, this institution, you know, I've been here just over a year and trying to figure out who are the stakeholders and, and create authentic connections with these stakeholders because one, I actually do want to know and understand the needs of the stakeholders and the students on this campus, but also create a relationship where I can lead authentically and transparently, excuse me, transparently to support students better. And that includes those stakeholders. So one, trying to figure out who those stakeholders are and two, to create those relationships in a hybrid world, you Mm -hmm. know, that we live in today. And so that, so that we can actually take action, right? Because I have seen in higher education different than, different than the business world, um, action takes longer in higher education. (laughs) (laughs) And (laughs) yeah, it totally does. I love that you said that. (laughs) Yeah. And, and so, uh, you know me pretty well and you know, I'm an action taker. I'm a go-getter. You, we have an idea, let's do it, you know, but I have to, I've had to work on my patience and then work on um, figuring out who the stakeholders are, as well as making sure that I'm really relating to their needs. And as well as at the end of the day, my passion is supporting students. My passion is equity and inclusion. And how am I sharing those? And yeah, so I think that's, Mm -hmm. that's, that's been my biggest challenge, just working on, on, meeting everyone in the space and environment that we're working in and, and connecting with them. But I feel like it's been going well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, those things definitely take time. And I actually um, would say something similar that um, really identifying those key players and understanding the ecosystem that is your higher ed institution um those things take time. <laughs> and um, when you can identify those key players and make sure that it's kind of, it's inclusive, it's comprehensive, then I think those initiatives go a lot further. And it makes me think actually of the Reach Everyone, Teach Everyone book. Um, we just read a chapter on like talking to administrators, like administrators, I think is what it was called. Maybe. Um, but it was essentially make, making sure that you are talking to people who will further your mission mm-hmm. and are also kind of the rally the herd type people, but making sure that you're doing that comprehensively so it's not just in the case of like a UDL initiative that you're working with like a student disability support services and your ID team you would want to then also talk with folks like advising and tutoring services and a writing center and veteran support services and all of these um, places that maybe you think aren't necessarily 
related, but they are because it's a very wraparound services Mm -hmm. um, kind of idea. I think that it took me a while to understand that. And then I think it, once you know that even going into a new institution, it just takes time to understand, okay, how, who are these people? How do they fit together? Who can I identify? And, um, and how can I make sure that I'm talking to those people? Cause I think sometimes maybe initiatives might not take as much, um, take, uh, they might not like start a, a, a fire as hot as right. as hot as you're hoping it will be. <laughs> uh, this is a horrible metaphor, <laughs> but they maybe just aren't catching on as as much as you're hoping yeah. that'd be. But that's because it's you're not talking to all of the player, the key stakeholders that you really should be including. Um, yeah, that's definitely a challenge for sure, and it has been a big learning experience for me too. Yeah, absolutely. I think also, um, I think one of the other just kind of small elements, but it has been so essential in my, we'll say positive growth in leadership experience um, through initiatives is that my leadership team has been so supportive. And I, I think what has been so has made me so happy is that they've not just allowed me, but they've empowered me to be me. Mm, you know? I love that. Yeah. And so they didn't try to control what I was passionate about or um, they were just, you know, this is, they said, yeah, work on it and bring it to us and talk to us about it. And let's, you know, let's brainstorm and, and it was just, it was just so wonderful. Well, as, as we've mentioned before, it was wonderful to feel like, yep, I, I fit here. I belong. This mm-hmm. is, I belong in this space. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And you said something before, you know, before we started recording that I want to say, cause it's, <laughs> it's excellent, yeah. but I want to give you credit cause I didn't come up with it. You did. You said something about, it's not just being allowed to take the initiative, but being empowered to. Yeah. And I think that that's just a next level step that leadership at, you know, as as we step into leadership and then the leaders who maybe oversee what we're doing, having leadership empower you to be entirely yourself, but also um, take initiative on things that are important to you and to the school or the department, the college, university, that is so impactful. And I think that that's where that passion kind of comes from. Cause yeah, if you have leadership that maybe isn't uh, as, um, as present with the things that you're doing, um, that can really hurt you. And I know that there are times where folks maybe um, kind of discourage uh, people kind of showing up as themselves. And um, that also uh, obviously will discourage that kind of initiative from taking, um, coming to fruition. So I think if we can, if we can all be thinking about, as leaders, let's empower the next person to take the initiative and be entirely themselves. And I think we will have like this really incredible ripple effect um, in leadership throughout, you know, the whole world. Absolutely. I, I agree. Um, before we step in, I think that we were going to kind of finish up and think about yeah. 
what's next? And I think that I think you have a little more defined what's next. So I'm going to definitely say, Christy, what's next for you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm stepping into a leadership role um, at a new college and I'm really excited about it to get to lead more initiatives, kind of take a step away from the doing of the instructional design and more of the managing, the mentoring, the coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, yeah, that's coming soon. I think by the time this comes out, it might've already started actually. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm excited to step into management and um, get to really focus on things that I'm passionate about, especially in the inclusion and diversity space um, and then just continue to shape my own leadership, decide who I want to be and how I want to show up and use that authenticity and, and that role and beyond. So that's that's what's next for me. What's next for you, Jess? Well, first off, I want to say congratulations. That's wonderful. <laughs> oh, thank you. I love thank you. um I love that you're stepping into that space and you see, you see that path. It's very visible. There's that shining light and you're, I think you will do wonderfully. So I'm, I'm happy that you get to experience that. So what's next for me? Well, I also hope to move into a leadership role. Uh, I am currently working on a lot of production, but I have been given some time and space to work on the initiative that I have started. So I, I do appreciate that, but I, but I do hope, yeah, it is a big deal. I do hope to be able to continue to work on initiatives and hopefully sooner than later have my own team and, and lead from more of a manager coach type um, situation with my own team. You know, uh, we're waiting to hear back about the grant in December. So, so I think that will be, could be really impactful, but I think more than anything, what will shape my path is truly is my passion for HSI and DEI Mm -hmm. B in the online learning space. And so I guess the path is still yet to be defined, but I think my passion will will kind of shape that. And I I look forward to what is to come. Let's just put it that way. I agree. I think you are destined for some really great things just based off of the work that you've been doing. And I can't wait for that right position to open up and just call to you. So it'll be awesome. Thanks. <laughs> All right. Well, um, I think that's it for today. So join us next time on our next episode of Higher IT. Bye. Adios. Adios.